In season one, episode five of Survivor Series, The Cancer Chronicles, we spoke with Charles J, who was diagnosed with cancer at the age of two years old. In addition to being a survivor, Charles is also a stylist, fashion enthusiast, owner, and designer of clothing line Urbane. During the interview, with the help of the stories his family has been sharing with him all of his life, he recalled what he could about being diagnosed, as well as the treatment process that he underwent. He also spoke about his clothing line, why he started it, and how he's using it to tell his story. He even shared a cool story about meeting Swiss Beats. Being 25 years cancer-free, Charles' story exemplifies how hope, passion, and determination can be the recipe for success in any facet of life. Tune into this awesome story and enjoy. What type of cancer did you have? So I had a uh, Wilms tumor that's um, cancer of the kidney. Um, mm. I had it at age two. Uh, so I went through chemotherapy and surgical removal of my right kidney. Mm. Um, I at got age that. two? Yes. Okay. Um, well, I was diagnosed at age two. Mm. More so like three is when I went through all like the procedures and all that because it was towards the end of the year. Um, but um, I got my treatment at Children's Hospital. And after I got... My kidney removed. I uh, got my kidney removed and went through chemotherapy. I stayed there for about two and a half to three months, um, mm. just so they can monitor me and I could officially go into uh, remission. Yeah. Um, so every morning I wake up when I was there, I would go in the playroom and play with these building blocks. Mm. So that's kind of how I came up with the whole like message and story and the whole brand behind the clothing. Um, that the logo oh. is now the color blocks. So um, that's the whole story behind that. But um, now I've been in remission for. 25 years? 24 oh, years. Cool. Yeah. What, so, what signs did you have like at that age? You know what I mean? For them to know um, what it is that you had. We'll try to find something to hold that up. That's cool. Be straight. <laughs> um, so, from what I like, I mean, I'm two, three years old, so I don't. I don't know. Um, but, I'm just saying like your parents. Um, yeah, so my like, parents. So like, um, like blood in the urine and stuff mm. oh, like that. Wow. Yeah. So like if my mom was going to change my diaper, she would see blood in the urine and mm. things like that. So it's small, subtle things that um, were, they were able to notice. And then, when, of course, when you go to the doctors and get the news, mm-hmm. um, the one thing that I do remember, though, is how hands-on everybody in my family was. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't just my immediate family. Like my mom, my dad, like my cousins was there. My cousins, uh, my aunts, uncles, like everybody was there literally taking care of me at the hospital mm-hmm. and they were coming for visits. Like people were mm-hmm. spending the night with me when my mom and dad had to focus on. Cause I got um I got six sisters. So like they had they had stuff going on at home where it was like, yo, right. I gotta we can't be there tonight, but your Aunt Terry is coming up or right. your Aunt Laura or whoever. So like my family was really hands on through that experience. And do you, do you remember being scared at any point? I know you were very young, but I feel like that's such a traumatic experience that that is something that is kind of, could be instilled like in your brain. Um, right. The thing is, things trigger memories for mm-hmm. me. Since it was so young, I don't, I can't like dive back into my mind to be like, "Yo, I remember this. I remember that." Mm-hmm. But when things happen in my life, it triggers those certain memories that I remember. Like, um, probably like when I was like probably like seven or eight, like. I would go to McDonald's and have Happy Meals. Like mm-hmm. Children's Hospital has a McDonald's in their lobby gotcha. of chocolate. Right, right, so like right. I would go down there with my with my aunt or my mom or my dad and I'd be eating McDonald's like all the time. Like just mm. eating that stuff. It's like small things like that. And then even with the color blocks, mm-hmm. like I didn't come up with that whole okay. concept for the brand until probably like a year, a year and a half in. And that's when I dropped the uh, collection that was called the Foundation Collection. Um, it was basically me taking the color, taking that cancer survivor experience and using that for how I was going to live my life. 
using it mm-hmm. as my foundation. Cool. So I actually released a collection called the Foundation Collection mm. um, with that. And then um, the, how I came up with that concept was I was driving to work one day and I saw the billboard and it had these mm-hmm. color blocks on it. And mm. it just triggered something on my way to work. Like, mm. what does that mean to me? And it kind of trained my mind to think more so prospectively in that way, where it's like, yo, when I see something, how can I take it in and make it work for myself? Right. Is that so, something you had to ask your family members? Like, yo, what, why am I remembering blocks? Or did you know, like... When I saw it, I, when I saw it and then actually calculated my thoughts and was able to dive back in my memory, I actually, I knew it. Mm-hmm. But then I went home and had that conversation with my mom. Right. Okay. And the moment that we had that conversation, she's breaking down. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I know that that's what it was. It wasn't me making up something that wasn't true. Like it was deep down in me. It just needed mm. to see something or have something occur for that memory to pop back out. Gotcha. Gotcha. You're, so you said you're 25 years cancer free. Have you had like any side effects or anything? Or was it just like you got the surgery, surgery, you did the chemotherapy, and then you were monitored for those three months and then you were good to go? Yeah. Like I haven't had any like issues pretty much at all um they didn't want me the doctor told me that i couldn't really play any sports just Mm -hmm. because if i get hit too hard like my one kidney could fail and i could die um but i love playing basketball growing up so when i was in middle school they were like this is when people start getting a little bit more physical Mm -hmm. like you got to start wearing a kidney guard Mm -hmm. what does a kidney guard look like it's like this it's like imagine a cast but it's shaped like this and okay. it wraps like around. Okay. Yeah, it's like shaped like a seat. Mm. So it was wrapped around and I had like a Velcro strap that I have to wear around my stomach. Mm. And it's just not comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like if right. I make a certain kind of movement, the cast it's, is digging into my side. Right. Yeah, it just wasn't comfortable. So I wore that in middle school. Then when I got to high school, I was like, I told the doctor, like, I'm not wearing it. Mm-hmm. And I like, I don't really care what you have to say. I'm just not wearing it. Yeah. And I literally took it and threw it in the trash. Like, I'm not doing that. So they had me wearing the um like the football players be wearing like the um the bike rib guards, the ones mm-hmm. that go like over here and around yeah, the side. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I was wearing that for my freshman year, and after that, I'm like, yo, I'm not wearing that either. <laughs> um, yeah. And so then, and then everything was good. Yeah, every I mean everything was cool. I didn't really have any issues, but um, more so it was things with other people that had issues with me. Not even talking about cancer, just me being undersized and not being like. Yeah, yeah. The same strength or mm-hmm. like that with everybody else, and I'm not attribu- uh, attributing that to cancer, but my body just didn't respond to like I couldn't take protein, creatine, like I can't. Mm-hmm. Everything for me has to be all natural. Mm-hmm. Um, like to this day, yeah. Like so, I can't so you're take vegan protein. Or... Nah, nah. Oh, like okay. I eat chicken and all that, <laughs> but okay. like I can't, can't have like a protein and... substance okay. or anything like that. Nothing concentrated. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So like when everybody, you know, like when you get, when you're in middle school in seventh, eighth grade, like that's when everybody starts to transform. Dudes is getting husky, hitting yeah, the gym yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I'm still like undersized, but mm-hmm. going through high school, like that was a constant battle. Like coaches didn't necessarily believe in me hundred percent. They were like, yo, I don't know if you can play at the next level because you're not big enough. You're not mm-hmm. strong enough. Mm-hmm. Now, is it because of the kidney, having one kidney, like you want, your body's not able to process those concentrated proteins? Yes. Like, on the gym? Okay. So okay. with... Anything like creatine, protein, whey protein, anything mm-hmm. like that, it's filtered through your kidneys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you yeah, your kidney, kidney processes yeah. all the ways. Mm-hmm. Right. So you got to drink double the water already, right? Mm-hmm. With me having can like me having one kidney, I got to drink three times as much water. And then if I'm taking whey protein, it's just not, it's overloading yeah. my kidneys. So yeah. I can't physically take it. How is that with alcohol? 
can you drink or do you have to be really <laughs> by the look of by, by the look on your face? <laughs> Listen, man, we, you do what you I, do. Nah, I actually I don't drink like that anymore. Okay. Um, in college, you know, man, yeah, college is college. college. Like you right. going wild out and you gonna mm-hmm. do what you got to do. Um, but I did. I drank in college. It wasn't nothing crazy. Like I drank. Yeah. On the weekends, not every day. But mm-hmm. um, now I'm more so like I'm concentrated with that. Like I focus more so on like drinking wine and things that aren't like super crazy. Right. Um, I don't drink any real hard alcohol. Maybe gotcha. an occasion, like if it's somebody celebrating a birthday or like mm-hmm. once or twice a year. But I know I can't do that anymore. My Was, body is that a problem for you? Are you somebody who <laughs> likes to drink or is it just... You never was really into it because from an early age you knew you had to chill. Nah, in college I was like You was wild. I was the party boy. Like gotcha. people was coming up like, yo, let's get lit. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. And then like my senior, my junior senior year, I started like slowing down. Did anything was, happen? Nah. Like and the crazy thing is like when I was drinking alcohol, like my my tolerance was high. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't like I couldn't tolerate mm-hmm. it. It's just mentally I'm like, yo, I don't this might not affect me right now, mm-hmm. but five, ten years from now. That's when it might really hit me hard. So I was yeah. like, yo, I got to relax and I got to chill. And I just literally cut it out altogether for the most part. From, That's good. From when you were, you know, when you had the surgery and it was removed, so on and so forth, and you've been cleared, have you had any other issues since then? Um, like, has anything ever came up? Like, did you have, like, long hospital stays or, like, sick? Nah, bad not really. Um, I got in college... Like, when Herbalife first came out. Like, mm-hmm. well, not when Herbalife mm-hmm. first came out, but when it started getting real heavy. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I was like, yo, like, I'm trying to be crazy athletic for the next season of basketball. Because you played basketball in yeah, college. Yeah, That's crazy Kansas. how they're like, you shouldn't play any sports. Oh, and you're yeah. like, nah, I'm playing in college. Yeah, well, at uh, Rutgers Camden, I didn't get recruited or nothing. I was supposed to go to a school in Florida, but um, they ran out of scholarships. So they were like, yo, get a, um, get a loan or get whatever you need to do your first year, then we'll cover the rest. I mm-hmm. couldn't get approved for any loans mm-hmm. or anything like that. So gotcha. I ended up getting in Rutgers Camden like three or four days before classes started. Oh, wow. Yeah. I walked in the coach office and was like, yo, I got, here's my highlight tape. Like, I'm coming to try out for the team. And then one of the players ended up walking in, the ones that was from one of the players from the previous year. He walked in and he was like, yo, check up. I'm like, all right, bet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Busted boy ass. <laughs> <laughs> and then we started open runs and it was just like, Yo, I can play with these guys. Right. And I ended up literally from freshman year on, I was starting. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, that's dope. Yeah, I set um, three records while I was there. I was the 11th player in school history to do 100 steals, 100 assists. Nice. Um, second all-time in lead, uh, second all-time in steals. I played in the most games ever. Um, what? Yeah. Look at this Westbrook yeah. ass nigga that we have in here. <laughs> no. That's dope. And it's That's like, up, and they told yeah. you, you know, you shouldn't really play sports. And it's like, no, yeah, I'm about to but, prove y'all wrong. Yeah, definitely. And even with, with college basketball, like coming in as a freshman, like I'm undersized. I'm 140 pounds. I'm mm-hmm. 5'11. Like, but yeah. I just, nobody was going to outwork me on the court. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up getting surgery on my right wrist. Um, I had, so my sophomore year, I plucked this dude at half court, like stole the ball from him. Mm-hmm. I'm going on the break and ready to lay the ball up. Dude took my legs out. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. So hater. I ended up, yeah, hater. <laughs> so I ended up laying it on my wrist and I that was my shooting hand. I was a pretty good jump shooter. So I had to get surgery on my wrist. When I came back from that, my jump shot wasn't the same. So I was like, yo, I got to find a way to get back on the floor a different mm-hmm. way. So I just started playing defense and locking dudes up. And I was one of the best defenders in the NJAC, which is one of That's the cool. top D3 conferences mm-hmm. in, the, in the U.S. So. That's trash. And we Do actually, you, we actually uh, never had a winning season in school history until my senior year. 
So like in Rutgers school camping, history? yeah, in school history, in the seventies, they shut the program down because they lost one hundred and ten consecutive games. God, damn. damn. Yeah, but my senior year, we um, we had the first winning season in school history. So some niggas wow. must have had. You must be on every wall in the gym. <laughs> they must have your <laughs> shit painted. Nah, nah, nah. They don't got your jersey hanging up. Nah, I, ain't, I didn't. None I, of that. Nah, I wasn't. I didn't score my thousand, so my name not going. Mm. Them niggas lost three thousand games before you came. <laughs> they need to name the nah, school after you. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's not like they didn't have good players. It's playing Division three basketball is different. Because mm-hmm. you, there's no scholarships, you yeah. you out of pocket. Yeah. If somebody stay in a program for four years, right? It's not mm-hmm. likely because either if you go into school to play basketball and you're Division three, you probably gonna flunk out. Yeah, there's really it's no more. Really yeah, man. Because I was working a full time job playing basketball and taking six classes, so mm-hmm. it was like, yeah, like. Yeah. But I was just one of them people that like you was an anomaly. You yeah. was an anomaly. Yeah. It's just for me. It's like yo, you either gonna make an excuse or you gonna get it done. This nigga real. Cause normally I talk shit to people who play ball, <laughs> but uh, he sounds real. So I'm gonna just stay quiet. You still play uh, ball now? Nah, I haven't. I haven't. Oh, never mind. Minute. Nigga, I'll bust your ass. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Nah, that's Get them up. pockets picked, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So um, just going back, if you recall, like, uh, what was the treatment process? You know, so when... um, initially, I went right into surgery because the tumor was on the kidney. So they ended like, up... Like you got admitted and then... Yes. Okay. And then right to surgery because mm. they had to get rid of the tumor. Okay. So... Went through uh, the surgery, and then I would say it was about maybe a month um, just to make sure everything was, like, clear out of my system. Okay. And then chemo started. Have, like, Do you know, chemo. like, the, because I know, like, sometimes it'll, you'll go, like, once a week or, like, mm-hmm. a couple times a week. Do you know your... I don't remember how often it was, mm-hmm. but... Um, you know for how long? I couldn't even tell you. Okay. I don't know exactly how long. I just know based on the time frame that after I had surgery, I was there for two and a half to three months after that. Okay. Um. So I'm guessing the chemo was probably heavily intense yeah. because I was still there. Like most right. of the time, they'll let you do your treatment and then come and then home. Go home. Yeah. Right. So I know it was probably intense since I was there for that amount of time. It's probably because you were so young. Yeah. Because they wanted to monitor you. Yeah, definitely. Is your kids having this type of cancer, like cancer in general, is something that you think about? I know you told me earlier you don't really plan on having kids anytime soon. Mm-hmm. But like when you do, is that something that you think about? Yeah, it's definitely something that's in the back of my mind. Is that hereditary, that type of cancer? Not that specific kind of cancer, but there's a lot of people in my family who had cancer. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. My aunt died from breast cancer. My um my uncle died from what did he have? It was like so many. It was like four or five people in the last two years that died from cancer. Damn. So it's it's heavy. Mm-hmm. It's heavy. I mean, I got a really big family, so mm-hmm. I mean that doesn't necessarily help. But yeah. um yeah, it's been it's been heavy. Like my aunt, my one aunt is going through cancer right now. She's just going through her tenth round of chemo. Oh, wow. Damn. So yeah. and then one of my boys, um, shout out to JP. He just did his 16th round of chemo, and then he's just waiting to see if he goes into remission. Okay. So he right. um he has stage four. So okay, yeah, what stage four? What type of cancer? Mm, stage four is like bad. No, no but she's what, like, type what type of cancer? Type of yeah, I know, I know, I know. I don't, even rem- <laughs> I don't even remember all yeah, stage four. But I think bad. he's just saying in general, yeah, yeah. Like, stage four is yeah. just bad. Yeah, regardless. Um, how do you go back? Checkups, yeah. I go so when uh, when I was up till the age of 18, I had to go once a year. Okay, now I um, once they once I went from 18 to 21, it was two, uh, it was uh, once every two years. Okay, now it's more so like once every like three. Oh, wow, yeah. So I don't have to be heavy, I mean, I have to follow my uh, primary doctor, yeah, regularly, Mm -hmm. but 
Um, I don't have to go necessarily back to CHOP for tra- uh, any type of like treatment or anything. But So when you go back for your cancer, like cancer mm-hmm. checkups, yeah. you go back to CHOP? No, I go to okay. a, uh, your uh, urologist. Okay. Yeah, because mm-hmm. they check all, mostly like all, everything is on like right. my fluid levels okay. and like right. any type of, um, any type of issues with like using the bathroom a lot because that's right. what, that's what triggers most of the stuff with your kidneys. So. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, just, is there any chances of you getting any other kind of cancer or is that coming back or anything like that coming back? Um, right now, no. Okay. I okay. mean, if it's like twenty five years, yeah, like it, it's it's long going now. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, is there a chance that something could happen in the future? It, there's always a chance, gotcha. but uh, as of right now, nah, I'm a hundred percent kicking. Nice. <laughs> so tell us about Urbane. This is your clothing line, right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, when I was in college. I was the dude that was going to class 8 a.m. with a blazer and a bow tie. That was me. <laughs> yeah. All right. Spiffy. Yeah. yeah. Like um, hot pink blazer, bow tie, all of that. Like I was. Mm-hmm. You was dressed yeah. for class when everybody else is in sweatpants, barely awake. Yes. And I was probably half asleep. Probably wore it, <laughs> probably wore it the night before and was probably still smelling like alcohol. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, but, um, man. Nah, um, I was into fashion. Like, I was into getting dressed and styling. I wasn't more so concerned with fashion. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, it was just something that I like to do. Like, I like to throw different combinations of stuff mm-hmm. together and just put it on. And I was always confident in that. So when I got out of college, it was like, I was feeding so much into other people. Like, dealing with, like, I was dealing with uh, helping, a, uh, helping a photographer out um, and helping other people build their brands. I was like, mm-hmm. yo, like, when am I going to build something for myself? So when I got out of school, it was like, yo, I want to start this clothing brand. And when I was in school, I taught myself how to do graphic design and web design. Mm-hmm, that's what's Somebody up. else who does, you do graphic right, design. Yeah, so yeah. you know, like graphic design is a window to oh, whatever yeah. you want yeah. to do. Yeah. Yeah. So with me being able to do that, it was like, yo, I want to turn this into like an actual product. Mm-hmm. So um, I ended up, I didn't want to do like the screen printed t-shirts and start off that way. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to like put everything that I had into my product. Um, so the first thing that I released was an all white baseball jersey. Um, it was called the Survivor Collection. Um, it had oh. the year ninety three, the year I was diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, it had a big fist on the back that symbolized being a survivor. It had the uh, word underneath plus the definition, but everything was embroidered in all white. So it was literally a white on white baseball jersey. That's dope. Um, That's actually fire. Yeah. So, but I was getting that made in the U.S., so it was kind of costly. Um, and I was new. I didn't know. What how thing what fabrics to use what was supposed to, what the cost of things were yeah. gonna be like I priced the jersey at three hundred dollars I was just like yo my time is valuable and right. yeah. I'm starting it like this from the gate yeah. and see the people gonna rock with it and they're gonna recognize it or they're not and that's not my problem right mm-hmm. um but as I began to move past the U S manufacturer I started working with overseas manufacturers and that's when I started really like putting my foot on the gas like yo this is really what I'm chasing this mm-hmm. is what I want to do um so I came up with the next uh, pieces for the next summer and then the fall collection of 2016 I want to say was like the staple point of like yo I'm a designer now right okay like, um, that's when I released the foundation collection that's when everything mm. with the brand and the color blocks like really came together um, and that's when people really saw me as like yo he's actually out here like doing something it's not just putting product out for no reason um, and all the products I've built thus far it's a story behind it whether it's the mm-hmm. collection, whether it's just the one individual piece, um, whether it's having the cancer ribbon on the product, 
Um, Do now, a lot of your products have the cancer ribbon? Yeah. Okay. Um, I might only have like two or three of them that don't have the cancer ribbon. Okay. But if they don't have the cancer ribbon, the color blocks are there. So that's okay. still, um, it, yeah. Okay. Um, how, how did you um, decide to have the name Urbane? Like, does that mean something? Yeah. So Urbane, by definition, is the reflection of elegance or sophistication through expression. Okay. So my expression being... Oh, right. Yeah. My, <laughs> <laughs> so, that um, You learned something new today, know, didn't you? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, that word, like, I mean, I, when I started designing or started trying to get into fashion, like, urban streetwear was on the come up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, yeah, the ur- word urbane is derived from urban, but mm-hmm. urbane was, like, the elevated version for me of, gotcha. of urban. Like, urbane was the elevated version of urban. Like, that mm-hmm. was a more classier, more cleaner, more, like, elevated. And that's where I really wanted to take my designs. I didn't want to be considered an urban streetwear brand. I want to go into the high fashion luxury like aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So when I came across the word and like I researched it um, and it was just like, yo, this is the perfect word for the brand. Um, okay. And by definition, like it was just like, yo, it was everything that I stand for as far as like really trying to put out the best that I have. Mm-hmm. And that's really the reflection of elegance that's in the definition. Is everything that you make kind of tied in with like the cancer story, like the color blocks and like the ribbons and things like that is all the pieces that you have like surrounding that or do you also do other things no like everything that i've done for my brand Mm -hmm. is literally like a concept of something that i've been through so like the most recent collection that i released not this one just now but last fall um it was called unbreakable um Mm -hmm. and the reason why i called it that was because not just the cancer survivor story but things that i've had going through in my life that tested me adversity like Defeating cancer will always be that number one. That's like, mm-hmm. yo, after defeating cancer, I can defeat anything in my life. Anything mm-hmm. else is minor after that. Um, but I did go through a lot of things. Like I moved around a lot when I was younger. I lived in like, I want to say like 12 to 13 different houses in less than 10 years. So it's mm-hmm. like I've went through, and it wasn't anything like I'm an inner city kid and I grew up and struggled. Like, nah, but like I grew up in the suburbs. But just because when you grow up in the suburbs doesn't mean you don't struggle. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's things that go on in, in the suburbs that not necessarily are the same as the inner city, but it's still things that I had to battle personally. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, like even with going to school and we're going to school full time, playing basketball, working full time, like there's adversity with that. Mm-hmm. I, one of the seasons I couldn't, I was, I was getting ready to not even play because I couldn't pay my turn bill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I ended up finding a way to get the bread and I ended up being able to pay my turn bill just so I can play that season. Like I, I've been through a lot um, personally and fought a lot of personal battles that I had to overcome. And that was really what Unbreakable was about. Dope. It was about me being more mature, but understanding that I'm still going to have adversity and whatever's thrown at me, I'm going to overcome it. And like I was talking to, um, I was talking to Cherry earlier, like I broke the brand up into two segments now. So like originally it was just this athleisure kind of like fashion brand. Now I have uh, TSC, which is the story continues. Um, which is like the athleisure, um, super colorful, younger version of me. Mm-hmm. And then Unbreakable mm-hmm. is really like that mature gotcha. version of me, which will be my luxury line that will uh, continue to release as the years go on too. Nice. So I saw on IG you did something with Swiss Beats. Mm. You did something with yourself? <laughs> <laughs> with your dad? Yeah. With yourself? <laughs> yeah. That's my, uh, you that's did the, my the, the Spider-Man meme? <laughs> 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 Pointing at yourself? <laughs> 
a comedy podcast? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Nah, but um, yeah. So the uh, the Swiss Beats thing was kind of like unreal for me, just mm. because I had I reached out to Swiss probably like a year year and a half ago on IG. I just mm. DM'd him like, "Yo, this is my brand. We were featured in Philly dot com, mm. uh, the Philadelphia Inquirer. Like, check this article out." If you have time, let me know what you think. I was like, yo, are you probably not even going to see this message. I know you probably get a million of them, but I mean. And then, what made you reach out to him? Because y'all look alike? Nah. <laughs> yo, why? <laughs> <laughs> nah, it wasn't even that. It's just he's somebody that like when I, when growing up in like the 90s and the early 200s, like Swiss mm-hmm. was one of them dudes that was infused in the culture. Mm. Okay. And for me, it's like. From an artistic standpoint, what he's doing now with the Dean Collection, mm-hmm. no commission, no and, commission. and yeah. really putting, trying to put the money back into the artist's pocket, like that was something that was refreshing to me because in the industry, like yo, it's a lot of fake shit that goes on in mm-hmm. the industry. It's a lot of people that say they want to help you or say they want to support you, but when it comes down to it, that's not really what their intentions are. Right. A lot of the stuff in the industry is transactional. Like I give you this, so what can you give me for yeah, giving right. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Versus it being like full genuine, like yo, I just want to support you because I rock with you as a person, kind of thing. So with Swiss, it was just like yo, like I followed you for a while, and it was like I know you would appreciate this, the time and the effort that goes into the product because he's not going to support something that he genuinely doesn't mm-hmm. rock with. Right. He's not that kind of person. Like he's right. a real OG. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so. When I reached out to him, probably like two weeks later, I got a response. He was like, yo, man, this is dope. And he's just one of those dudes that he's not going to give you like a whole paragraph. He's just going to be like, yo, I recognize you. Like, mm-hmm. that's dope. So fast forward into last uh, November, I had released my Unbreakable collection. Um, and then I just sent him pictures of the product. I was like, yo, like, I, I want to get you in something. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like you would appreciate this. Like, you appreciate the time, the effort, the quality, the craftsmanship behind it. Yeah. Um how can I get it to you? So then he actually just sent me a VIP invite to the Art Basel events. Oh, shit. Sure. Okay. Yeah. And uh, the crazy thing is the week before that, um, I had just put my order in for my product. Mm-hmm. And I literally put out everything that I had. Like, oh I did not have, I just bought my house last June, like behind on a mortgage, all of that. Like, I didn't mm-hmm. have no bread. I put out everything for my order for my product. And when he sent that back, like, I'm just sitting there like, yo, I want to go, but I don't even have the money to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then my girl was just like, yo, you going? And she was like, yo, I'm I'm booked a trip. You going? So I end up going down there and I'm like, yo, like, I, I can't come down here and and, and not execute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. It, this, this is the thing. And like, for me, I'm one of them people that, like, people talk about going out on faith and everything like mm-hmm. that. I wasn't 100% believer yeah. in that. And it was something that I've been battling with my whole life. Like, I've been trying to find that time where it's like, yo, like, I'm really just going to go out on faith and it's going to work out. And it was one of, mm-hmm. and that was one of the situations that just, like, literally changed my life because the invite was just the thing that I needed in the back of my mind. Like, yo, I got to do this. Mm-hmm. No matter how, no matter when, like, I got to figure it out. I called my district manager. I'm a store manager in retail. Mm-hmm. I called my district manager. was like, yo, I got to go for, like, three or four days. And this is in December. Mm-hmm. This when is when- Blackout. <laughs> yeah, like, this blackout period. You're not taking no uh, right. vacations right, right, right. right now. So I told her, I was like, yo, this is something I have to go. I was like, yo, you have to terminate me. I completely understand it, but I'm going. Right. So, and she was just like, no, I understand. Like, you go. We, your store's covered. Like, we'll figure it out. So I flew down Thursday Thursday morning. Um, the first event was at 2 o'clock. It was like a, um, it was a panel discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a photographer. The photographer that um, photoed, um, the photographer that shot um, Beyonce's Vogue cover. Okay. Um. The the youngest uh, black photographer to ever cover Vogue, uh, forget his name. 
I have no Draw idea. Blank. But um Courtney. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Courtney. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Drawing a blank. But um yeah, so all of them were there. So I ended up just like at the end, waited around for like Swiss to get ready to walk out. Mm-hmm. And I just said I just dabbed him up. I was like, yo, thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. He was like, yo, I really appreciate you coming. Mm-hmm. So that night it was a concert um where like he did a set, uh the DJ Black Coffee did a set, and it was mm-hmm. like a couple artists that was there. Yeah. Um so I literally sat in the front row, not sat, but I stood in the front row with two shirts in my hand the whole time. I walked in there, people was looking at me crazy, mm-hmm. like, yo, why does bull have a plastic bag with two yeah, shirts yeah, in mm-hmm. it? And at the end of the night, I held up the shirt and Swiss was like, um, he told his bodyguard to go grab the shirt. Mm. And then the next morning, I come to the event, it was like a painting sip mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he wearing a shirt. That's what's up, so, man. Yeah, yeah that was dope. just like that moment right there. Like it was just surreal. Like. For like, it, I know he gets a million pieces, of, a million mm-hmm. products. Mm-hmm. Like people send him stuff all the time, mm-hmm. but for him to wear it the next day just showed me that, like, yo, he actually like rocks with everything mm-hmm. that I stand for and everything that the yeah. brand stands for. Is that the first time that you had a celebrity wearing your your brand? Nah, nah. I had um Jaquay was wearing on Love and Hip Hop. Um, there's some. I was trying to know who that was. He's uh, a he's a rapper. Yeah, he's, okay. Yeah, he's. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I had uh, Wolf Tyler did some stuff. Um, trying to think of who else. I don't even remember at this point. But it was it was a couple of people that were in it. I'm not huge on like the whole influencer uh, mm-hmm. marketing and product placement with artists. Mm-hmm. I just I don't want to rock with somebody who doesn't rock with. They got to genuinely fuck with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, yeah, yeah. yeah, like I, I can send product out to a million people. Mm-hmm. And if they don't genuinely fuck with the brand, like it's for me, I feel like I'm just wasting my time. Like yeah. I want you to connect with it. That's the reason why I put so much time and effort mm-hmm. into the product. Mm-hmm. If I was just putting product together and selling it, then I would send it out to everybody and their mom because that's the easiest way to get mm-hmm. popping. But for me, right. it's like I put three months, two months, like into developing a single item. Like, mm-hmm. The shorts that I have on, that was a four month process. Like mm-hmm. I designed these shorts in December, and they didn't come in until. January, like March, like now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's like I put a lot of time and effort, and I just don't. As far as like even picking the fabrics and everything, like I make sure it's the top of the top. I'm not going to give you some nonsense and slap my brand logo on it. I just refuse. Mm-hmm. Sure. Now, what all do you design? You you got shorts, mm-hmm. you got a hoodie. Is this your hat? No, 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 no. Okay, no. I got. I, I'm just. I wanted like what uh, if if, you if there's somebody the beans. You gonna make me spill the beans? So if there's somebody <laughs> who wants to go purchase clothing right mm-hmm. from your brand right. can they put a whole outfit together or, can, or is it just something where you can get t-shirts hoodies and shorts so that's the point that that i'm getting to okay um, with the brand like all the pieces that i've released as far have all been like statement pieces okay it's been like a piece like um i did i dropped the this uh the piece that swiss was wearing was a uh, striped rugby shirt had like a mm-hmm. pink collar that's not something you could wear every day right mm-hmm. but that's also the reason why i started to segment the brands because TSC, which is the story continues, mm-hmm. that I started with the story continues concept like two, three years ago. That was like all the windbreakers, the loud mm-hmm. colors, mm-hmm. the younger version of me. Mm-hmm. Right. So with me, me, me going head on with TSC, it allows me to give people the everyday like hoodies and sweats and mm-hmm. like these these uh, sweatshorts. But then Unbreakable allows me to get into like a different zone where it's more high fashion. Mm-hmm. And neutral colors. So it's not super loud, but it's still, you're going to know it's my brand when you see it. Right. But it's not like super off the wall as far as like the color palettes. Mm -hmm. It's going to be like more toned down and more like those are the statement pieces. TSC is going to be more every day. So it's like Polo has purple label and then they got like Polo by Ralph Lauren. 
know? Right. Now, is there a reason that you don't do certain garments? Like, do you not want to do hats? Do you not want to do... Nah, I've, um, I've done hats. I did a dad cap last year. It was an all-white dad cap. It was, like, super distressed. Had the color blocks mm. on the front. Um, it had a quote on the side that said... Um, damn, why am I drawing a blank with this? Um, said something fire. It did, it did, it did, but it was tone on tones. Like you couldn't see it unless right. you really got close to got it. Right. And then I had the 93 in the back because the year I was diagnosed with cancer. Mm. But doing stuff like doing stuff overseas, it costs a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Like that's just, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Like regardless of your process, like I've got to a point where I can control 92% of my process. So that means from, that's really good. The, design, yeah, yeah, yeah. from the design aspect of picking the fabric to um, the measurements, like everything is done in house mm-hmm. except for the physical like them assembling the product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um it does cost a lot. Like my orders aren't a thousand dollars. Like they're more mm-hmm. like five, mm-hmm. six, seven, mm-hmm. sometimes eight. Then you got Trump's tariffs and taxes that jumps it up mm-hmm. like another two thousand depending on the materials wow. that you use and things like that. So it's it's difficult to be a small business and to have to operate on that cost factor. Right. Because like if I wanted to, I could go on Shopify and drop ship Mm t-shirts and not have any cost but that's not necessarily where i want my brand to be placed in the market i want it to be like yo like even the t-shirt that i have on nobody can say that they have this t-shirt because i physically assembled it myself Mm -hmm. like i physically made the measurements picked the product this shirt's not going to fit like a shirt you get from american apparel or h&m like it's different because i physically did did all the work to make this shirt Mm -hmm. yeah do you i guess when people get like when people order things, sometimes um, from small businesses, sometimes there'll be like a card and it'll say, you know, this represents X, Y, Z. Do you send something like that out, letting people know like, hey, like this is the these clothes represent my journey, me being a cancer survivor and stuff like that? Or do they kind of find out by, oh, there's a cancer ribbon on here and I didn't realize or is it both? So it's, it's kind of like a mixture of both because on my hang tags, I make sure I always put some type of quote. Okay. Um, with the, with the, whether it's for that specific collection, mm-hmm. um, whatever it is, I always make sure there's a quote on a hang tag. Cause I, I mean, everybody's not a cancer survivor, mm-hmm. or and not. I mean, everybody knows somebody that went through that, went through cancer, or has died from cancer, or anything like that. But I don't want it to be like singly segmented to cancer survivors. Mm-hmm. Like I want it to be more so with anybody who's facing adversity. I want to be able to inspire you with my story. Gotcha. And that's what it comes down to. Like, you don't have to be a cancer survivor to understand what I've been through and how it can affect you. Like, there's people who are literally survivors because they're just going to work every day trying to pay their bills. Or the single mom who's out here busting her ass to make sure that her kid can eat. Like, mm-hmm. the the idea of a survivor is so much bigger than just me. It's it's everybody day to day. It's just a matter of you recognizing it and appreciating that, yo, I am really a survivor. Like, I'm working every day to get to the next step. Mm-hmm. And that's really what the brand stands for. Uh, I just put the the whole cancer survivor thing because that's my story. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But right. I wanted to I want that concept of the brand to be more inclusive. Gotcha. I have a question. So you said that your girlfriend flew you down to go to mm-hmm. the event, and she stayed with girlfriend today. Yeah. And she so, went down with me too. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so question. So I feel like um, I know. I spoke to a couple people who have like gone through cancer and I know that like your yours was so long ago, but is that or was that a factor when you were dating? Um, for me, no. Okay. Um, I mean I let people know like I, I haven't really been in like a bunch of relationships. That's mm-hmm. gonna sound really bad. But I mean just like but, dating, like, but even with like dating, like I've 
it's a, it's always a conversation that I, I let people know. Like mm-hmm. I'm I'm really open. I'm really transparent. Mm-hmm. Like I have nothing to hide. Like people ask me like, yo, like you had cancer. I was like, yeah, I had a Wilms tumor. Like this is exactly what I went through. This is how mm-hmm. it was. And I don't get like the sympathy from people. Mm-hmm. They're not like, oh my God, I'm so sorry for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like it's kind of past that stage, even when it's necessarily like talking to women. Mm-hmm. Um, It's more so just like an appreciation factor. They're like, yo, that's really dope that you okay. were able to overcome that. Mm-hmm. And it's not really a deterrent from a relationship. For mm-hmm. me, it hasn't been. I mean, it might be for somebody else, but mm-hmm. nah, like that's not. That's good to hear. Been. Yeah. That's what's up. So what's what's next for you? Is there anything <clears throat> coming down the pipeline that you could talk about as far as uh, new merchandise, a new line, um, and just what do you what so, do you what do you got planned for the future? So I just released the um, the shorts that I have on, and then the t shirt that's underneath my hoodie. We just released that because I wanted to get some basics out. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it's funny because the, the collection is called Not Basic, mm. um, and the <laughs> okay. reason why I called it that is because. Um, when you think of basic, you think of like a, every brand has a basic t-shirt or a basic mm. sweats, like where it's just their logo and right yeah. on there. Right. But for me, it's like, nah, like this isn't basic. This mm-hmm. is me putting a product line together that's completely custom. And it's not something that you just get wholesale and screen print on or, or embroider on top of it. Yeah. This is literally mine. Like I can call this t-shirt mine. Not everybody can do that. And to me, it's just, nah, it's not basic. And then plus with the cancer story and then the cancer ribbon and the way that it's placed on there, nah, like you, it's not basic. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, and the materials, like, yeah, I just like literally when it comes down to making a product, man, I just I take my time so much to make sure that it's perfect. That if I got to go a year or six months with just working on one product, I'll do it because I'm not gonna release it to the public if it's not right. Gotcha. That's dope. Um, but as far as what's coming up, I just released this. I got like five or six more colorways that'll be dropping. Um, different times throughout the mm-hmm. summer because I didn't want to drop everything at one time. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a financial decision that I made because mm-hmm. it's not smart. <laughs> <laughs> are you still Are you still working? Um, you said you were a, a director at a, a, a store manager. Store Aldo. manager. Are yeah. you and you're still doing that today? Yes. How is it balancing those two things? Because you're a hundred percent right now. You're a hundred percent committed to your brand, mm-hmm. and you know you're however whatever percent committed to essentially working for someone else right right? how does that balance how do you find that balance um for me it's just it it comes down to planning like i'm not the most organized person and i'll say that like confidently that Mm. i'm not (laughs) (laughs) but for me it's like when it comes to me working for somebody else if it's not going to benefit me right now as far as the tools that i can learn then i'm not going to do it so like right now like me being a store manager that I've been a store manager for three years. I'm one of the better store managers in the company. Mm-hmm. Um, my store, when I was in Deptford, was number one in the region. Like, we went up to head office and did all that stuff. But um, the only reason I became a store manager is because if I ever wanted to open a store, you know I would be able to know how to run it. Know how to run it. Right. That's really <laughs> yeah. smart. But I was able to learn on their dollar. Right. Yeah. And that was the most important thing for me. Like right now, if I was to open up a store tomorrow, I know how to manage people, which is the largest thing that you'll ever have to learn in life is how to manage people if you want to be your own boss. Mm-hmm. Right. I know how to handle payroll. I know how to handle inventory. I know how to handle um, customer service. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge thing mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. because with the way that um, retail is right now, online, e-com and in-store, yeah. the moment a customer has a bad experience, they don't need you. Nope. Right. They don't have to shop with you. Right. Nope. So the moment you send them a shirt or send them something and it's not 100%, they don't 
they don't have to do nothing. They mm-hmm. can just hit you up and be like, yo, I want a refund or I'll right. never shop with you again. Right. And you just lost a customer. Mm-hmm. So for me, like that experience of the product being perfect is the first step of not having to deal with those customer service issues. Would yeah. you want to open a store? Has that, I would has do, that been a thought? I thought about it. For me, if I did open something, it would be more so like a showroom. To okay. where I could get buyers and stuff like that to come gotcha. and then people by appointment could shop kind of thing. Okay. But for me, I don't know where I want to be located right now because mm-hmm. my customer is not in Philly. Gotcha. Um, which is like, it wouldn't be some, it wouldn't be financially smart for me to open up a shop in Philly when my customer is not here. What do you think about going to like New York or something like that? If yeah. I did something like a shop or anything, I would probably have to go towards North Jersey and New York because that's where yeah. my customer is at. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's nothing against Philly. Like it's not, it's just my customer is just not here. The yeah. dynamic of what I design, my customers just not here. Um, I feel like Philly is more focused on the brand or the person wearing the brand gotcha. versus the actual product. And that's just my interpretation of what I've seen over the past like two or three years. But when I do go to New York, it's like they're blown away because it's one of the fashion capitals of the world. Mm-hmm. There are some people that do care about quality and they do care about craftsmanship and they do care about design and functionality and mm. things like that. And I'm not saying Philly's not there, but they're just not, and yeah, like they're New not York. there. Yeah, it's not New York. So for me, it's like our best opportunity for me would be to go to New York. And everybody who has worn stuff in New York, like I was featured in Fashion Week Daily from mm. a plus size model who was wearing uh, one of our cloaks at a Michael Kors event. She was featured in the Michael Kors recap video. Wow. So it's so- like, I know where my customer is at. It's just a matter of me preparing the brand to be ready to scale gotcha. there which that's what I'm working on now by dividing the segments of the brand. Gotcha. So I have two different customers, but um, with TSC, that's like the entry level product. That's like mm-hmm. you coming in like, all right, I see this brand is dope. Do I want to spend $200 on a jacket right now? Probably not, mm-hmm. but I'll spend $40 or $45 on a t-shirt. And then yeah, when they yeah, see yeah. the quality, it's like, it's going to be worth it if I make that purchase. I have a question. Um, back to your cancer stuff. Do you celebrate every year being cancer free, or does it get old? Because I, I'm asking for myself, right? Because I celebrated my first year, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Man, that's kind of corny for me to celebrate right. the next year." But then I'm like, "No, like I'm celebrating mm-hmm. having life." Yeah. But I'm like, "Now you're you deep in here. You're 25 yeah. years cancer free." I mean, so, or have you ever celebrated? Has that been something that you celebrated? Not really. Mm-hmm. I feel like every day is a celebration. I mean, okay. every day that you get a chance to wake up and do what you want to do, or you just wake up and you breathing and you able to move your legs, your arms, mm-hmm. and you able to get up and brush your teeth, like that's that's enough to be celebrating. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna celebrate that every day, um, and that's why my motor is so high. Is because like yo, you almost didn't have it, right? Exactly. It's like yo, I I have this opportunity to do something so amazing. Mm. I can't take that for granted because I had I almost had the opportunity taken away. Mm-hmm. So I gotta gotcha. I gotta be pedal to the metal all the time. Do you think you've been like that all your life? Or have you been like that all yeah, your life? Or was there like a, I guess like an epitome you had one day, like, oh my gosh, I'm a cancer survivor. When did you realize you were a cancer survivor? Or has that always been mm. like fed to you? I mean, it's been fed because like my whole family like has been, like I said, they were involved in that whole process. Yeah, yeah. So like whenever I see them, like even now, like when I see them, like, yo, I'm so proud of you. Like mm-hmm. I'm so proud of you. Everything mm-hmm. that you're doing, everything that you're fighting for. I remember when you were this small and mm-hmm. you were eating chicken nuggets every day. Like mm-hmm. those are like the things that were fed in my mind even when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. So I, I was around it every single day. 
Nice. Um, so you got to do a chicken nugget line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the McDonald's line. I want 5%. Oh, nah, nah. <laughs> I want, I want, I want five. I want three to five percent. Three to five. Three to five. I'm gonna design a box for you. He's gonna ship it to you. Ain't gonna be shit in there. He's just gonna ship the hang tag. Yeah, you put whatever you want. You put whatever you want in there. But um, nah. Actually, back to the question of um, have stuff that's coming up. Um, I ain't want to spill the news, but I'm gonna give y'all some news. You got a chicken nugget line coming out. Nah, I got some. I got some bedroom slippers. Oh shit! It's like nah. I'm in the bedroom slippers, man. You, you see me out here? Yeah, you know I mean, got the jokes. I got the one of. I got the one of fifties. Yeah, you know I mean, um, nah, I actually the one um, of fifties. Yeah, one of fifties. There's only fifty of these in the world. It's funny that you said something about dad caps because um, for me, I'm trying to find ways to work smarter, not harder. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the biggest challenges for me right now. Is my motor is so high that I want to do everything. Mm-hmm. I want my hands in everything. I want a piece of it. I want to know exactly what's going on. I want to be the one curating it, all of that. Mm. And that has been a reality check for me because I can't do everything. Mm-hmm. If I want this business to scale, if I want it to get to a certain level, I can't do everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when I linked up with uh, my photographer, shout out to Rue Castro, um, he helped me transform the brand within one photo shoot. He mm. saw the vision for the brand. was like, yo, you're not shooting the brand how it should be shot. It could be shot better so that the products are look better and and just the 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 overall image of the brand is not being yeah. sustained right now with what you're doing. Mm. And for somebody to come to you and say that, most people will look at it like, yo, like, boy, you a hater. Like, mm. why are you hating? Right. Me? But I took it, I took it in and was like, all right, let's do it. Mm-hmm. So we did the first photo shoot and like the whole brand transformed. Mm. It went from this urban brand to this high fashion, like Urbane. Yeah, like yeah. that's yeah, that's what it was. Definitely. It went from urban to urbane, like definitely. And I, the reason I say that is because by me allowing somebody else to come in and me putting my guard down, trying to do everything, the brand has got to the next level. Mm-hmm. And even now I'm trying to like do things like like I was saying with work smarter, not harder. I just locked in a collab with four seven. Um, mm-hmm. The dad, the, 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 the dad caps, the, the, the hats, they got yeah. all of the uh, major licenses from NCAA, NFL, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they're actually going to be manufacturing all of my dad caps from here That's on lit. out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's going to be co-branded, so it's not like they're just going to manufacture it. Like their logo is going on it too. I made sure of that mm-hmm. because quality-wise, you have New Era, who mm-hmm. everybody knows, but four seven is creepy yeah, right. and they're getting ready to take that top spot because all the licenses that they're getting right mm-hmm. now and for me it's like if I want to be seen as this amazing brand this high quality like fashion powerhouse I got to connect with Ooh, some of the somebody. people who are creating those products that are top tier that's crazy because I was going to ask you and I, I, I was almost certain the answer was going to be no so I didn't but I was going to ask you do you see yourself or do you want to collab with any other major brands um the reason I feel like your answer would have been no is because I I feel like your brand is so unique and um, specific to a, a storyline that you're trying to tell that I feel like incorporating any other brand might sully what your messaging is. Because I'm thinking to myself, it would be dope if you mentioned a rugby, right? It would right. be dope if like, you know you worked with Polo and had some line and I'm I'm, Polo. I'm just throwing names out there, but like any other brand, right. To where now 
your brand gets blown up because another larger brand puts it out, collabs, and then it's like people are recognizing it. Right. Um, but but that's dope that you're working with. See, that's a different type of collaboration though, because now you're also you're bec- you're taking you're kind of removing like a middleman and using now they're gonna put the because they already do hats. And if you don't do hats, now it's like if you want to do hats, you got to step into a lane that you're not familiar with. But that's already their lane. So it's like you already do rugby's, you already do hoodies, you already. So there's no need for you to collab with other brands that do hoodies and do mm-hmm. rug. You know what I mean? So holla at me when the Air Forces drop or the SBs. All right, right. Just when you when you when you gonna do sneakers? <laughs> um, so I, I actually already designed a, a sneaker, but okay. digitally digitally designed. Okay, okay. So I, I haven't gone forward with the manufacturing process, anything like that, because I know the time and effort that it costs and mm. I got to put my focus into developing what I got right now. Mm-hmm. But even back to the thing with collabs is, excuse me, damn Fritos. <laughs> <laughs> but um, with the collabs, I make sure the message is in the forefront. Right. Mm-hmm. And if the brand or the company is not on board with that, I will not work with you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the only reason, the reason why I, I, I rock with 4-7 so hard is because I sent the initial email Cause I saw them like yo four sevens blowing up. four seven is on the map. Mm-hmm. They got the best dad caps as far as the the shape, the fit, the style. Mm-hmm. Like they've mastered the dad cap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's no other brand that, that mastered the dad cap like them, and that's the reason why they got all the licensing. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like I want to collab with them because they're the best. Mm-hmm. And if you want the best, you either find a way to be the best or you get in and work with, with the best. The best. Right. And that goes for anything from the photographers that you work with, the models that you choose, the stylists that you work mm-hmm. with, like. For me, my brand, I look at it like, yo, if I want to be, I'm going to, I'm going to be like Gucci, Burberry. I want to be a fashion powerhouse. Mm-hmm. And the only way to be a fashion powerhouse is to do what they're doing. Not necessarily product wise, but business model wise. Gucci always uses the best <laughs> models. They use the best photographers. So mm-hmm. for me, it's like, yo, I got to, if I want to be the best, I got to use the best. I'm not going to shortcut it. I'm not going to use this Instagram model um, who has a good following, but she doesn't know how to model. Right. She's in more so like an influence. I'm not going to use her for my brand because that's not that's me settling. Right, right? you get what I'm saying. Yep. Yep. But as far as with the collabs, like I reached out to Four Seven. I got an email back probably less than a week later, and they were like, "Yo, we we we're in love with the story. Um, mm-hmm. We'll begin to move forward um, because they haven't. Four Seven is eventually going to launch a wholesale division, which mm-hmm. they will they will let you buy their stuff wholesale." And you can embroider, screen print, whatever you want in your local print shop, whatever. That'll be dope. Yeah. But they haven't launched it yet. Mm -hmm. So for them to say like, okay, yo, we're willing to work with you. This means that this is a step for them. We're like, yo, let's test out this process Mm -hmm. and see how it works. But I told them like, yo, I don't want wholesale. Right. I want an official collab where your brand and my brand are together and working on it. Mm. And then the PR rep ended up calling me the next Friday and was like, tell me more about the brand. So I tell her the story behind the brand, the cancer survivor story. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm launching, I just launched my um, my social responsibility part of my brand mm-hmm. where um, when I was younger, I had, um, they had Make-A-Wish. I don't know if you guys are familiar mm-hmm. with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, But um, when I was six, Make-A-Wish granted, um, my wish was sending my whole family to Disney World. Oh, wow. wow. So yeah, they sent my whole family to Disney World. And what that did for me was, it just showed me that, yo, like anything is possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I defeated cancer, but like, Every kid's dream is like, I want to go to Disney World. Mm-hmm. And for that to happen at age six, it was just like, I want to do that for somebody else. And I reached out to make a wish. Um, and how they operate is they they just want the check mm-hmm. so that they can go and, and do the process. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Right. I want to be hands on. 
Right. I want to be there. I want to, I want to, and it's not even for me to be there to record anything. It's more so because I want to show these kids that I was once in their shoes mm-hmm. and that they can do everything that they want to do. This is just a minor setback for a major comeback. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so when dealing with other brands, if they're not on board with the story, then I don't need to. Like even with 4-7, the dad caps, the um, cancer ribbon is going to be on the side of the dad cap. Right. Nice. And portions of the proceeds are going to go into a fund where once the fund caps at a certain amount, I will find a childhood cancer survivor and Dope. we will grant their wish. Nice. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah. That's, that's really what's up, cool. man. That's, That's what's up. Do you have anything else to? Uh, well, so we're, we're pretty much wrapping up here. Um, do you have any things you want to plug or any final words you want to say? Any advice that you have for people that might be in the same situation, similar situation, whether it be, <clears throat> excuse me, a cancer survivor or someone who's going through cancer, or even a designer, even somebody who was aspiring to be a designer? Um, as far as the cancer survivor aspect of it, um, it's a mental fight. I mean, I was young, so I didn't know mm-hmm. what was going on. But anybody who's older and going through that battle, it, it's really a mental fight. It's you not giving up. Mm-hmm. And like I seen, like I said, I seen JP go through that experience like mm-hmm. from afar. Like I wasn't with him throughout the mm-hmm. entire process, yeah. but like I seen it on social media and he literally took it heads on and was just like, yo, I'm going to defeat this. Thing. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. did. Like he's good. Mm-hmm. Like six, 16 rounds of chemo and he's here. Like he's good. Mm-hmm. And just seeing that in real time, because I couldn't necessarily, yeah, yeah, you it, for me, I'm just like, yo, I got to go right. pedal to the metal. Regardless of whatever you're doing, whatever you're going through, like adversity is going to be there. And if adversity is not there, then you're stuck in your comfort zone. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something I refuse to do. Like even from a design aspect, I'm not going to comfortably design to sell. Mm-hmm. I'm going to design what my heart desires and I'm going to find a way to market it the right way so that everybody buys into the message or the image behind the brand. Um, from a designer standpoint, man, just just create whatever you want to create. I see so many people conform to what the industry wants them to do. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it might look good for the first year or the first two years, but that moment where your brand really has to settle in with people, mm-hmm. they can easily forget about you. And that's what I always tell people. Focus on building your brand. Don't worry about making a million dollars. One of my uh, stylists that I work with, he actually said purpose over paper. Mm-hmm. And that, okay. was, that was something that resonated with me. So focus more so on your purpose, um, your why. That's mm-hmm. what should be pushing you. You should not be pushing for a dollar amount because that can end that quick. Okay. Like I was telling, telling her on the right here, like I went seven months without a manufacturer. That was the end of my, like that's the end of my world. Somebody telling me like, yo, um, we have your money, but we can't develop your product right now because we have other people that have higher value orders. <clears throat> so your stuff is going on the back burner. I had no product, no money, no nothing. That showed me how quick everything can be taken away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's like you really have to cherish what you got and appreciate the process. Because if I didn't go through that experience, I wouldn't have the manufacturer that I have right now. Yeah. I wouldn't have been at Art Basel with Swiss Beats. Mm-hmm. Like that literally happened leading up to that. Mm-hmm. And that was just that that jump of faith that I had to take. Like, yo, I'm going to take this one on the chin and I'm going to keep going. And everybody that's been successful thus far that I've seen, it's just been because they haven't stopped. Like it doesn't matter how talented you are. But if you're not going, if you, if you, adversity comes and you just decide to like fold over, yeah. it's a wrap for you. And it's people that might not, like, I'm not the most talented. I'm not the smartest. I'm not the most financially stable person developing a brand. But I know regardless of whatever happens, I'm just going to keep going and I'm not taking my foot off the gas. And if something comes up and I'm going to figure it out. And that's just kind of the mentality you got to have with anything that you do. That's dope. 
So where can people find stuff? Uh, um, you know, what's the website? Yeah. So what's the web, Instagram? The uh, website is uh, urbaneclothing.us. Um, okay. IG for the brand is urbane.us. My personal IG is uh, the at the Charles J. Um, and I'm around. So <laughs> my number is on IG. If you need something, any designers, anybody wants feedback, input. Um, I'm actually kicking off my um, FaceTime uh, seminars again. I was doing free FaceTime seminars for anybody who just wanted to chat for 10 minutes. Nice. Yeah. Um, so I would do like two a day. People would call up, ask questions about design, ask questions about life, whatever. Like my line is open. I'm completely transparent. I don't have nothing to hide. I'm not rich. I don't drive a Bentley. I drive a 2011 Camry. Um, I lost like two hubcaps, but it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> we in the same boat. <laughs> but I mean, it's just, I feel like we get so caught up in our own process that there are people around us that are doing the same thing that we just need a different perspective. And I think that's what it comes down to. Like, I don't know everything, but if somebody asks me a question, they might already have the answer in their mind. But for me to put it from a different perspective, it can change everything. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh. And thanks for coming, brother. Yes, thanks for coming. This episode of the Survivor Series, The Cancer Chronicles, was created, written, and inspired by Cherry Poppins. Recorded and mixed by Jay Omega. And me, I was just here. The Survivor Series is a production of the Officially Street Podcast. 